The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> We've been talking over the past several weeks about uh, the commandments of Christ to the church. And uh, again, to remind everyone and myself also, we are the church. <clears throat> it's not the building, it's not the place we're in, but we the people, we are the body of Christ. And uh, I read a statement about casual Christianity. Uh, someone said the average church could drop one-fourth of its members from the membership role, and neither the church nor the drop members would notice any difference. That's casual Christianity. Casual Christianity, or this is a statement, are those who would be numbered among the flock but could care less about following the shepherd. They want the forgiveness of the cross that the cross brings, or they want the forgiveness of the cross of Christ but brings but never intends to carry their own Christ. They want a warm, fuzzy moments on Sunday mornings but offer no commitment to Jesus Christ on Monday mornings. In short, they want the crown without the cross. And in Matthew chapter 16, uh, going down to verse 24, uh, Jesus again is talking to his disciples, and of course that's followers of Christ. We're followers of Christ. He's given them a, a, uh, some lessons, and we're, we're going to end next week with, uh, with unleavenedness of the Pharisees. So that, maybe that will pique your interest a little bit about what we're going to talk about next week. But uh, this commandment of Christ here says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. <clears throat> for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So this next commandment of Christ we want to examine. There's actually two of them found here. And in these two, they're found in verse 24. Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and then take up his cross and follow after me. In this passage, Jesus lays out a couple of principles of discipleship, and that's what we're going to talk about. And when he says, if anyone would come after me, uh, it's, it's something we need to understand. We're not allowed to come after Christ on our own terms. The Bible teaches that, that no one comes to Christ unless they're called by Christ. And we're, we're not allowed to come to Christ on, his own, on, on our own terms. We come on His terms. So as we read this verse, for those who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus Christ, those words, come after me, can be applied to the, to the initial decision to, to surrender to Christ. So when we read that, we can say, well, Christ is talking about those who've never trusted Him, that, that they should come after Him. But for those of us today that have accepted Christ as a personal Savior, this is a renewal, it's a, it's a renewed call uh, of a daily life of obedience to Christ. Now, I've said the last few weeks as we've talked about these commandments of Christ, sometimes it's kind of tough to preach about and sometimes uh, it's tough to think about following these things. And I, honestly, for me, as I prepared this and looked over it and read it and thought about it and prayed about it, it's tough for me. Uh, some of these things that we're going to talk about, but I think the more we can understand what Christ says and what He doesn't say, the easier it is for us to follow 
this commandment of Christ. Because when we first read this, I think we have an ideal, and I think a lot of it comes from the world, about what Christ is saying for us to do. And I think the more we can understand what Christ is really saying, I think the key to all of what we're going to talk about this morning is that uh, this is necessary because we are constantly under temptation to to take back what we've given to Christ. In other words, when we come to Christ and when we repent and we turn, we know we talked about repentance a few weeks ago, when we turn from this way and we begin to follow Christ, we're under constant temptation to, to return that which we have forsaken or that which we have given up. If that's not you, that's just hard for me to believe because that's our temptation. And it's altogether possible to to, to place, our, uh, again, our own will above God's will. And, and when we begin to do that, you know, we're, we're relinquishing His rights to us because we, at one time, we came to Him, and by, the, the Word says, come after me, and, and we accept Christ, and we relinquish our rights to Him. And uh, I'm, I'm just go ahead and tell you, I want us to close with that song we just sing right now for, for this morning because uh, I, I called Jeremy in earlier, and I was kind of preparing my message, and I didn't know what exactly they were going to sing this morning. I'm normally in here on Wednesdays while they're practicing, and I have a somewhat of an ideal, but last Wednesday I stayed in my office and worked on some stuff, and, and I said, I want you to, I want it to put the words to this song uh, because I want to refer to it in my message. And he said, we're singing that song this morning. <laughs> and I said, you've got to be kidding. He said, no, we're actually singing it. And he said, you want to, you want, you want to sing the very last song? And and uh, I said, yeah, that would be good because I'm going right into my message. And we looked and he said, we've already got it as the last song. I, I think that's a God deal because I know for myself, and I'm not preaching on a song, but I, I'm saying in general as songs, a lot of times we sing them and we don't really think about what we're saying to God the Father. When we sing, we're lifting our hearts and our voices to God the Father and we're singing in praise and worship and prayer. And, and so when we look at this, the, the whole key to this, I think, is, is Christ talks about principles of discipleship is really thinking about what Christ tells us in His commandments when He says, come after me. And as he says, come after me, he follows that up with two things. And actually, we're going to look at three things. And the first is this. The disciples are called to lay something down, to deny himself. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, I don't want you to answer this audibly, but I want you to think about this. When I made that statement, did a part of you go, oh boy, here we go. I mean, really, think about that. I think if we're honest, for all of us, a part of us goes, oh, man, I don't know if I want to hear this today. I mean, I don't, I don't know about this. And I think it's important for us to understand, it, understand that when Christ says deny himself, it's important us to understand what, what Jesus does not mean when we read these words, deny self or self-denial, because uh, I think usually when we hear that, we think about giving something up. 
In other words, when we see this, we may, we may think of it something like some, some Christians observe Lent. And, and when they observe Lent, they, they, they're going to give something up for Christ. They're going to give up a bad habit or they're going to they're give up something that's really important to them. Or they're going to give up wearing their Bullwinkle Moose house shoes or they're going to give up wearing their Monsters, Inc. pajamas, you know, that we saw a few weeks ago. Uh, they're going to they're give something up. So when we see this and it says deny yourself, then we say, okay, I've got to give something up. What am I going to give up? I, I've got to give something up that, that means something to be. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about giving up our luxuries or giving up our necessities or about denying self, which is entirely different. Denying, denying ourselves means that we renounce our rights of ourselves and we allow Christ to rule over us. So when we, when we read this and the part of us that goes, oh, great, what have I got to give up? We don't need to think that Christ is saying, you need to, you need to deny yourself something that you really like that you can follow after me. What Christ is saying is when we deny ourselves, we're denying ourselves the right to rule our own lives. Now, we just sing a song that says, Lord, I lay it down. Here, here, let me die in this place, and I, I'm going to lay my life down for you. And, and as we sing that, that's exactly what Christ is saying. He's saying we, we deny ourselves, which literally means to disown, to separate ourselves from someone. And let me give you an example of somebody that did that. You know, over in, in uh, Matthew chapter 26, Peter, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, Peter, you're going to be tested tonight, and you're going to deny me three times. And the word that was used, that Peter used in, in Matthew 26, 34, and then again in Matthew uh, 26, verse 70, and verse 72, and verse 74, Peter used those words that denied Christ. What Peter did is he said, I am completely separated from Christ. So when Christ tells us to deny ourselves, what he's telling us to do, what he's telling us to do is to not to deny ourselves and and say, I, I'm no longer like like Paul like uh, Paul said, it's no longer that that me living, it's Christ living in me. I, I'm denying myself. And I'm going to be a follower of Christ. And, and we're to, to, to be a, a, a disciple. And, and when we're a disciple, we disown ourselves. The Bible says this, we were bought with a price. We've been purchased. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We're no longer our own, but we've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And so when we disown ourselves, it's, it's to refuse to acknowledge the old man that lives within us. Now, listen, what did I say the kind of the key was? It's, it's that constant temptation to, to give back what we've forsaken. So today we can say, boy, I'm denying myself. I'm, I'm not going to let the old man rule within me. And then, boy, we're tempted tomorrow. And that old man, Paul, uh, Paul says, that old man rises back up in me, even though I don't want him there. He rises back up in me. Well, well Christ is saying, as my disciple, you need to deny that old self. And, and come and follow after me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, we're to, we're to count that old man as being dead. Now, y'all know what I mean by the old man. It's that, that old nature within us. Not man, but that old nature that lives within us. We're to count it as dead. 
Romans 13, 14 says, We're to make no provisions for the flesh. We're to make no provisions for the flesh. Over in uh, Philippians 2, 5 and 8, it says, To deny oneself means to, to follow example that Jesus Christ set forth for us in, in coming into this world. So we're to, we're to deny ourselves and, and follow Christ's example. That's what it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And, and we're to live our lives as one who is alive to God. But, but dead to this world. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it's Christ living in me. So when we read that passage, instead of us saying, when Christ says we need to, to deny ourselves, and we think, well, I've got to give something up, and that's what Christ saying. He's saying we're to, we're to live as Christ. We've been crucified with Christ, and, and we sang a song that says, Lord, let me die today. Let, let myself, let that, that old man within me die today and, and let me live for you. That's what Christ says. What does it mean in a practical sense? This is where it's kind of hard to swallow sometimes. Someone said, if when you're good, but evil is spoken of you, and when your wishes are crossed and your advice is disregarded, and your opinions are ridiculed, and you refuse to let anger rise up in your heart and maybe even defend yourself, if you take it patiently in loving silence, then you're denying self. And when you're lovingly and patiently bearing any disgrace or any irregularity, any annoyance, when you stand face to face with folly and spiritual insensitivity, and you endure it as Jesus did, then you're denying self. And when you're content with any food, any money, any clothing, any society, any solitude, any interruption by the will of God, then you're denying self. And when you never care to refer to yourself in conversation, or record your own good works, or itch after accommodations from others, when your love and you love to be truly unknown, that's when you're denying self. When you see your brother prosper, and you see his needs wondrously met, and you can honestly rejoice to him with his big house, his big car, a big pool, whatever it may be, without feeling envy. And you don't question God, though your needs may be greater and still unmet. That's denying self. Now, when you can receive correction and reproof from someone of less stature and admit that they're right and find no resentment and rebellion in your heart, then that's denying self. Did did y'all see how much trouble I had just reading that? Much less just living by it. Now the Bible says this, we're to be meek, and meek doesn't mean weak. But, but we're to be strong enough to say, you know what, that old man's not going to rise up in me. Somebody says, no you didn't. Yes I did. That's our, that's our nature, isn't it? That's that old man that says, wait a minute, you're not, you're not going to, I'm going to stand up. And it's not saying we're to fold over and, and bend, but, but it's saying, you know what, sometimes we just need to deny ourselves. It sounds hard because it is hard. Self doesn't like to be denied, but, 
But it is, we, can, we cannot possibly follow after Jesus like He desires for us to unless we're willing to say, I'm going to deny myself. Fred Craddock, he, he's addressing ministers at a minister's conference. And, and he, he caught this practical implication. He's what, he said this, To give my life for Christ appears to be glorious, he said, but to pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I do it. I'm ready. Lord, let me go out in a blaze of glory. I think sometimes when we think of, of giving ourselves, it's like taking a, a $100 bill out. And I'm not talking about offering, okay? It's like taking a $100 bill out and, and just saying, God, here it is. I'm giving it all to you. And then walking away. When God says, well, what I want you to do is I want you to take that $100 bill and I want you to take it to the bank. And I want you to get $100 worth of quarters. And then over your lifetime, there's going to be uh, times that you're going to use 25 cents over here. You're going to listen to a neighbor and, and some of their problems they got. And then you're going to have to give 50 cents over here because there's a, there's a guy at a nursing home that needs a cold drink of water. And, and it's going to be 50 cents over here. And, and there's someone over here that's really going through a tough time. And they just need someone to be able to talk to. And, and we're going to put a quarter back over here. So we end up living that lifetime a quarter at a time. I'm not just saying, Lord, here it is, $100, take it and use it. He says, take that that you're going to give me and, and, and spread it out over a lifetime. And that's what it truly means to, to follow Christ, using our, 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 give, giving our, our, our all to Christ. Usually that's not, a, that's not a glorious thing, but it's done in little acts of love. It's done in those little things that we go through life and, and we do those things. Maybe it's, maybe it's saying, uh, hey, I want to serve here or, or I'll be a part of doing this or I want to get involved in this ministry. But what do we do so often? We say, man, I just don't have time. I've got all these other things going. And, and the, the, the Bible says this, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and I'll take care of these other things for you. When Christ says denying ourselves, He's talking about us laying it down and saying, Christ, here it is. Take it a quarter at a time. And, and however I can minister through my lifetime, that's what I'll do. Here's the second thing. The disciples called to lay something down. He's also called to, to lift something up. Christ says here, take up His cross. If anyone desires to come after me, let him take up his cross. He says, let him deny himself then let him take up his cross. Again, I want you to understand what this isn't. I, I've misunderstood this for years. What do we say our cross is? Boy, my husband, that's my cross to bear. Or, boy, my wife, that's my cross to bear. I have a wayward child. That's, the Lord says you got to bear your cross. Boy, there, that's my cross, my, my ding-a-ling neighbor over there. Not really my neighbors over there. They're back here. <laughs> my, my ding, the other way, which that's Colton. So <laughs> I got to stop there, but my, my ding-a-ling neighbor, boy, I have to deal with them. That's, that's my difficulty. That's my cross to carry. My, I've, I've got a bad health. That's just my cross to carry. That's not what Christ meant at all. I mean, that's what we read, and that's kind of what we think. Oh, anything that comes along, uh, that's the cross I have to bear. But it's important for us to understand, when Jesus spoke of the cross, 
everyone in his audience would have understood what he was talking about. We don't understand that so much because we don't use cross anymore for crucifixion for any type of punishment. But, but I want to read, it's not real long, but John MacArthur, y'all have probably heard of him, he, he wrote about the cross. He says, "...the cross is a very concrete and vivid reality." It was the instrument of execution reserved for Rome's worst enemies. It was a symbol of torture and death and awaited those who dared rise hand against Roman authority. Not many years before Jesus and his disciples came to Caesarea Philippi, a hundred men had been crucified in the area. A century earlier, Alexander had crucified 800 Jewish rebels at Jerusalem, Uh, And after revolt, it followed the death of Herod the Great. 2,000 Jews were crucified by the Roman uh, somebody named Varius. He crucified a smaller scale of people that were common sight. It's been estimated that perhaps 30,000 crucifixions occurred under Roman authority during the lifetime of Christ. So what does Jesus mean when he says, "...take up your cross"? And follow me. If it's not our, our bad leg or our bad relationship or what, what, what would Jesus mean? I think, I think Paul captured this when we begin to understand that he says this we're buried with Christ in baptism. What does that mean? If you, if you bury somebody, what are they? They're dead. They better be, <laughs> you know. Well, what those those uh those those three guys that were uh that were that were talking and and one of them said boy when I when I die I hope that person comes by and says man he was a he was a good father uh, and and the next one comes by and says boy you know he was good for the community and the other one says I hope they come by and go look he's breathing <laughs> you know <laughs> but but we bury somebody they're dead and and Paul says we are dead. We're buried with Christ in baptism. And we're dead unto His death. This is Romans chapter 6, verse 4. I don't know if I got it up there or not. But we're buried with Him in baptism. We're into His death. But we're raised to walk in a new life. When Jesus says that we're to take up our cross, He's saying that we're to live as dead men. We're to live as somebody who has died and been buried. What's he talking about? He's talking about self. He's talking about that old nature. He's talking about that old man that, that we're to die and it's to be buried with Christ. And, and when we're resurrected in Christ, we're to walk in a newness of life. So when Christ says that, when he says, take up your cross, that's once and for all. We sing that, Lord, once and for all, I lay it down. I, I lay my life down once and for all, and, and I'm resurrected in You, and, and I've died on the cross to self, and I'm, I'm giving glory to You, the Father. So as Christ looks at His disciples, He says this, If you would come after Me, let Him deny Himself. Let Him take up His cross. And let him follow follow me. Here's the last thing. The disciples called called to to live out something. And that's the last thing. He he calls them to follow him. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him follow me. What Jesus is literally saying here is let him follow day after day. Day after day. 
You know, it's pretty easy to follow Christ when things are good. It's pretty easy to follow Christ on Sundays and Sunday afternoons. But, but Monday morning when the phones start ringing and the complaints start coming in and the troubles start coming around, it's, it, a lot of times it's, to, it's pretty easy to slip back into self. But Christ says this, hey, just be prepared to follow me. Continually follow me. It's a way of life. It, it's my pattern for living. Let me, let me make one more point and then we're going to close. If a, a disciple is a follower, and if we're disciples of Christ, that means we have to be willing to be led. You know, it says you can, you can take a, lead a horse to water, but what? Can't make him drink, can you? Sometimes that's us. We can be, we can be led to the altar. We can be led to the cross, but, but we can't be made to follow. So, so I want to say, Lord, just help us to be to be led by, be willing to be led by you. Be willing to be led by the Spirit. If we're, if we're willing to be led in places we don't understand, if, if we're willing to be led in areas that may seem dark or scary or painful or, or unpleasant, we need to trust the shepherd and say, okay, Lord, I've laid my life down. I, I've died to myself, and now I want to follow you. Listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pasture, and He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, and He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I pray today that just in the foolish words of a man, Lord, we would understand your commandment to us as Christians. Father, those things that we don't understand that really truly does make us sometimes grown within to say giving up and denying self but father to understand that when we have been bought with a price father you've called us to be your disciples to to be crucified and to crucify that old man that old self and to let it be buried and to lay it down once and for all that we might be raised in a new life, in the newness of you. And Father, that that life would be a life we live daily, daily and daily. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would be the one that convicts our hearts, that, that shows us where we would be and where we need to be. And Father, I pray that we would truly lay ourselves down that we might receive the best from you as a church and as individuals of your body. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.